Uh, when Robin and I first got married, we lived in a caravan for most of the first year of our marriage. Um, we were supposed to be moving into a nice new home, but unfortunately things just didn't work out how we'd planned. Uh, the people who we were buying the land from lost the deeds, and in those days it took about six months for the lands department to reissue the deeds, and nothing could happen until that happened. And and then after a significant payment and the delivery of the frames, our builder went bankrupt. And then there was months and months and months of haggling and delays, and it was just awful. So, Robin and I moved into a really old, uninsulated caravan. Uh, the, the aluminium was about the thickness of, of the heavy-duty alfoil. And, um, and then there was a thin plywood, maybe about three millimetres thick, and that was what was shielding us from the elements. And we lived in that caravan through a very hot summer and a very cold winter and through a mouse plague. And the mice also lived in that caravan through the mouse plague. Um, it, it was awful. I, I remember one time we went away for a weekend and we came home and we pulled back the doona and in our bed was a nest of mice complete with babies and that had just appeared just in, I think we'd only been away two nights and, and they'd moved in to that extent. Um, for a toilet, I dug a hole in the ground, but we were living up on a basalt ridge and with my crowbar and shovel, I could only manage to get that hole. I just smashed and smashed and smashed and I managed to get it about two feet deep before I just could not get any further into the basalt. It, great place for building houses, not such a good place for growing crops or digging holes. Um, anyway, that was our toilet. And I sat my shooting rack over the top of that hole and I wrapped an old tarp around it uh, for a bit of a privacy screen. But it was disgusting. Uh, because the hole was so shallow, you couldn't very well have a bucket of dirt there to cover up your business with after, after what, you, you can get the picture. Uh, otherwise, the hole would be full within a couple of days, and so it stank, and then it got fly-blown, and there was maggots crawling through it, and, and I, I bought a tin of fly-strike powder, and you just sprinkle a little bit of that on it every now and then just to try and keep them at bay. And this is what I brought my brand-new bride home to. Is anyone feeling a little bit envious of our post-marital bliss? I'm seeing a few shakes of the heads. Um, it was just disgusting. And if I gave Robin a chance to proofread this, I'm pretty sure she would have censored it. Would you have censored this, Mrs P? Yeah, the head's nodding up and down. She, I know my wife pretty well. She would have said something to me, something along the lines of, that's just disgusting. That's just going to turn everybody off. You can't say that. Well, that's sort of the point. Um, that's why I'm telling you this. I, I'm wanting you to understand just how much my wife put up with. Um, it was all right for me because most of the day I was off at work at the Ag College, but as a newcomer to Dolby, the hospital wouldn't give her any work. And so Robin was in our luxury abode basically 24-7, nearly all day, every day. And our friends would observe these conditions that she was living under and they said to each other often, Robin must really love Michael. Um, and it's true. When you really love someone, you'll put up with a lot. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where we have that passage on love and it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And we'll often read that Bible reading at a wedding because it just seems to be just so fitting for a couple who are just getting married and they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. You know, when, when a couple will just look into each other's eyes and they go all gooey on the inside and... I just love this person so much. I'll do anything for this person. This is just wonderful. Oh, look, Sharon and Justin are looking at each other just like that just now. And now they're laughing to say, no, we're only joking. Um, And our friends could see this in Robin. She wasn't resentful. They saw that she was bearing a lot, but she had faith that we were going to come through it. And she had this hope and she endured through it. Because that's what love does. Robin must really love Michael. Yeah, I think they probably still say that now because they know she still puts up with a lot. But you know, that 1 Corinthians 13 reading about love, it's not about husbands and wives. It's not about boys falling in love with girls and it's not about girls falling in love with boys. It's actually talking about love in the church. This is a love that we have for each other. Christian love, the love within a church, is patient and kind. Christian love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love within a church means we don't insist on our own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes, it hopes, it endures. And that is a summary of what today's reading is all about. The enduring love that is the harmony of Christian discipleship. The enduring love that is the harmony of Christian discipleship. Last week, we are talking about freedoms This week, we're talking about obligations. We preachers, we we like to talk about grace, and we talk about it often, and rightfully so, because grace means we, we, we can't earn our salvation. It costs us nothing. Jesus died for us so that we could be saved. That's what grace is about. Do you realize, though, that the grace of God leaves us with a debt? Now, just, just wait a minute before you all rush out and start gathering up your sticks and, and your matches so that you can make a big bonfire and burn me at the stake. I want you to listen to this. Right back in chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. All right? So we are left with a debt. What is that debt? To love each other. And now in chapter 15, in the Greek, we've got basically that same word again. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, we who are strong have an obligation. Now in the Greek, it's basically the same word. Debt, obligation, something we have to do. We owe this. We ought to do it. We have to do it. What is it? To bear with the failings of the weak 
and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up. So this is all part of this love. Just as love does not insist on its own way, well, that's what we're being told here now. We have an obligation not to please ourselves, but to do what's best for everybody else in the church, to do what's best for our Christian brother, to do what's best for our Christian sister. We have this debt of love. See, love isn't just a feeling. Love is the way that we actually conduct ourselves. It's the way we actually do things. It's the things that we expect to do, the things that we expect to receive. But how, so we have this debt of love, but how does that work? How can the grace of God be free, but then we're left with a debt? How does that work? Is it sort of like our universities where you, you get to do your university course for free, but hey, here's your hex debt and you can pay that off over your working career? Is that what it's like? Is, is that like a down, like a, a, a buy now, pay later thing where, okay, I'll give you this grace because you can't, you can't be right with God, but you'll pay it off later? No, that's not what it's about. I'm just going to give you a family example because I know my kids really love it when I give, use them as examples. Um, and today I'm going to use Ben. Where's Ben? Nobody look at him. I don't want to make him feel self-conscious. Until Ben finishes his apprenticeship, or until he turns 21, whichever happens first, Ben is free to stay at home. We will feed him. He doesn't have to pay rent. He doesn't have to pay board. He doesn't have to pay any electricity or rates or insurance. He doesn't have to fork out for the groceries or for any ongoing maintenance on the house. By grace, he lives in our family home, fully found, free of charge. But as a member of the Brumpton family household, he is obligated. He is indebted. Members of the family take their turn at doing stuff about the house, like unpacking the dishwasher, or mowing the lawn, or taking the scraps out, or better still, doing any electrical work that needs doing about the place. As a member of the family, he is obligated, he is indebted to live and to behave as one of the family. Now, the gospel is a message of grace. There, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is a totally free gift. We fully depend upon Christ to be forgiven of our sins and to be made right with God. We've, we've been learning all about that in the early chapters of Romans. Jesus took care of all of that at the cross. But as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, as those who are saved, we are obligated, we are indebted to love each other. Why? Because that's what the family of God does. We love each other. And love means we always put the other person first. None of this nonsense about sticking up for our own rights and none of us, none of this looking after ourselves first. It's not about what's best for me. It's about what's best for my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about what's best for the whole church. You see, this is the Jesus way. Disciples of Jesus follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower. 
And Jesus didn't live to please himself. He certainly didn't die to please himself. He did it all for us. He humbled himself and he became a servant of all to the glory of God. You know, one day Jesus was with his disciples and they'd been arguing and bickering over who was going to be the best and who was going to be the closest to him in heaven. And, and then he sort of said to them, he said, you know, that's sort of how people in the world behave. You know, people in the world, those with power and authority, they exercise that power and authority to look after themselves. And he said, that's not the way it's going to be amongst you lot. He said, whoever wants to be great among you has to become the servant. He said, whoever wants to become first has to be the slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the servanthood of Jesus is meant to be a picture of what it's like in the church. This is the church in action as we serve each other, as we put each other first. Now, there's always a cost associated with that. You know, if we're used to putting ourselves first and we stop putting ourselves first, we start putting others first, there's no doubt about it, there's, there's going to be a cost to that. We can't pretend that there isn't. Which is why Paul tells us in verse 4 that the Scriptures, and here he's talking about the Old Testament because, well, he was still writing the New Testament. He says the Scriptures were written for our instruction that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Right? You get this? The, to adequately, adequately love each other, we need endurance. And we need the encouragement of the scriptures to keep on loving each other. This isn't something that's always going to be easy. It's not something that's always going to come natural. I know some of you people might be more saintly than me, but it certainly doesn't come naturally to me to continue to love everybody in the church no matter what, what they're like or what's happening. This takes endurance and it takes the encouragement of the scriptures. Verse 5 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Right? Sometimes it doesn't come easy, this, this loving each other business. Sometimes it is easy. Like, I'm sure it's really easy for all you lot to love me because I'm so lovable. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, I'm, I'm actually seeing some nodding heads. I was expecting everybody to go... <coughs> See, because I know that I'm not always lovable. I'm not always easy to love. Sometimes loving each other is jolly hard. Two Christians were talking together about how difficult some people were in their church to get on with and, and one of them said to the other, yeah, mate, I reckon you and I are the only godly people in that church. Now, I've got my worries about you too. You know, you know the old saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, that's true for your Christian family too. We can't choose our Christian family. So there you go, you're stuck with me. I remember a conversation I had with a Christian brother once about how we as a church, and this was um, in a previous church, how we as a church could help a certain segment of the community to feel more welcome in our church. You know, how we could go about connecting with them and, and, and sharing the gospel with them and getting them involved in, in our church. And, and the reply was, oh, they're just too different to us. You know, we, we don't have anything in common with them. 
right? The way he saw it, our church was white, middle-class, young families. That's what we did well. That's who we attracted. That's who we were, and that's who we could relate to, and everything else was just too hard. But you know what? I see the church as something which is very different to that. Imagine if Jesus only, only included those that he could relate to. It would be him and God and a few angels in heaven. Instead, he humbled himself and he came down. See, Christ bridges every social, racial and economic barrier that we could ever possibly divide us. We see, see an example of this in today's reading. In Rome, there was an enormous divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. There is no greater divide. The Jews saw themselves as God's people and the Gentiles as well. They're not God's people. But Christ came to make two very different people groups one. And the message is, welcome each other. We all belong. If Christ has welcomed you, then you welcome the other. And I really hope and pray that you feel welcome in this church. I also hope and pray that you and I, that all of us together would go out of our way to make each other feel welcome. And I pray that, that there would never be any cliques develop in this church, you know, that, that makes people feel like these are the insiders and these are the outsiders. And I pray that whenever somebody new walks through, I don't know which door, I was, was going to say that door, any of the doors, I pray that whenever somebody new walks through the door, that they'll feel welcome, no matter where they've come from, no matter what they've, they've done, no matter where they're at. You see, the Christian church is not an organisation where similar people meet to enjoy their similarities. That's not what the Christian church is about. The Christian church is a bunch of people with vast differences who are thrown together by one thing, their common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him. Jesus chose you and you and you and you and you. Jesus chose you and you and you. See what I did there? I just picked you all. <laughs> now, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I wouldn't have chosen you and you and you and you and you. See what I did there? I didn't point at anybody specifically. How, why wouldn't I have chosen you? Because I, I certainly wouldn't have chosen me. If I was Jesus, why would I have chosen me? There's, there's nothing particularly special about me. There's nothing likeable about me. You know, I used to get really hurt when I was a kid. At, at school, they'd, you know how sometimes the teachers would say, righto, they'd pick the two best sports people, and they'd say, righto, you two take turns of picking your teams. And they'd one and pick one, and then one and pick one. And Do you know who was the last person to always get picked? Not me, because I was the second last. But the point is, Christ brings us all together. I don't know why he chooses who he does, but in his grace and his mercy he does, and he brings us all together, all of these very different people. And when you do that, that can be a recipe for disaster. But in faith, 
we believe and know that God does a miracle. God doesn't make the church into a disaster. He does a miracle. Here's a prayer that Paul prayed, and I want us to make it our prayer. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In music, do you know what a harmony is? Lauren, what's a harmony? Two, diff- oh, oh. Two different notes working together really well. That's very close to what I wrote down. I wrote down a harmony is when two very different notes sound really good together. That's a harmony. And I was going to be really clever today. I, I was going to come together and describe to you scientifically why this is so. And I looked it up and you know what the answer is? They don't know. They can give you all sorts of reasons why music resonates together, but why it actually sounds good in the ear and pleasing to the person, a harmony, they actually can't explain it. It's unexplainable. And this is the miracle that God does in the church. It's where a bunch of people who are very different to each other are bound together in love of Christ Jesus to the glory of God. I very often have people say to me, and I'm sure you've had them say to you as well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that raises a very important question. Okay, well, if you think you don't need to go to church to be a Christian, why would God have bothered with a church? Why? What's the reason for the church? What's its purpose? And do you know what the purpose is? It's for God's glory. Now, I've seen some churches that are anything but the glory of God, where people fight and bicker and carry on. Do you know why this happens? It's because they're looking after their own interests instead of looking out for each other. When people who are very different from each other, though, become a community of love, and the only thing that's bringing them together is is a common bond in Jesus Christ, that's nothing but a miracle of God. This church is a miracle of God. We love each other for his glory. You know, we tend to think we we bring God glory by, by singing a few nice songs and stuff, and to an extent we do do that. But you know where God gets his real glory is through something that only God can do. And that is when he can make a group of people who are very different to each other love Love and keep on loving, keep on enduring in love. And sometimes when our brothers and sisters are a bit harder to love, we need to depend on the Lord for endurance. We never give up. Never give up on, I'll make this as a plea, never give up on loving me no matter how hard I get to love. And same goes for everyone else. Now, I just want to finish off with verse 13. 
And verse 13 can be a prayer for us as a church, but especially on this day of dedication of Isabella and Noah, I'd also like, to, like us to be able to make it a prayer for them. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Can we say that together? Can we say it together as a blessing on one another and, and, and as a prayer for each other and as a prayer for Isabella and Noah? Can we do that? Righto, let's say. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Enduring love is the harmony of Christian discipleship.